welcome to the sports show. Um, With Baker, Big D, and Joe. Thank sports, you. Sports, sports Plus, plus. show. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I, did I leave off Joe? I did. I said Joe, didn't I? No, you uh, left off all, both of us, actually, all three of us, and the <laughs> plus. Yeah, I'm going to try and join the meeting again, but I guess, I don't oh, know. Oh, we got you, Daryl. Yeah, we okay. can see you. I can't see you guys. Just, just find the, yeah, just hit, hit alt tab until you can find the window. Anyhow, welcome to uh-huh, uh, there we go. Sports <laughs> Plus Show Technical Difficulties Edition. Yeah. Oh God. And so in um and it'll probably be next week too, but uh I am getting my cataracts removed and I've been told that I will be able to see distance and just need reading glasses, which will be such an improvement. So all right, so here we are on uh, this highly opinionated sports. And, uh, you know, the thing that's so cool about sports is it's not just in a vacuum. It's part of society. So there's a lot of issues that come up. I mean, I started to read the um, brilliant new book by uh, Dave Zirin uh, called uh, The Kaepernick Effect. And it's really, it's interesting. It's not about Kaepernick and uh, his lack of career. That's kind of just in the introduction. It's really about a high school, a pro, and a college um, athlete. And but the, but the main his main point in the beginning, which is really true, is that what he did really was the instigator of a national movement. And you know, coupled with um, George Floyd and. You know, it just became, and this movement is real and it's effective. Like you can see what's happening right now with Biden's climate proposals are really, really radical. They're sort of, if, if this bill ever passes, it will be the first thing that's we, the United States Congress has ever done on climate. Yeah, if it and, ever passes, but it seems like. And, and yeah, like, ten, my, like my point is just that the activists, by their continued pressure, have have made it happen. Go but ahead. I think I, well, I think the the people that have been chipping away at it have accomplished more than the activists have so far. Like it seems like yeah. every day I read that oh then now this is gone now twenty percent of this funding is gone. It really does seem like. A, a typical 2021 type compromise at this point, but I, I, there are well, some yes or no, but, like, but there'll be half a half a trillion. I think is going to go to climate, which has never happened before. Well, but it remains to be seen what that what that looks like. You right know, they, now, it looks like the part it's going to be tax credits, and it looks like that will work really well. And then Biden will be able to add some executive orders that will help on methane. But, but again, you it's it, they're they're tax credits that benefit multi multi bajillion dollar corporations. They don't necessarily benefit homeowners as much or people who drive electric vehicles as much like these are the the advance where this money is going it's easy to put out giant totals and say this is money that's going you know a, a, a social program but until you can prove to me that it's going to individuals and not corporations i, I don't i look at what happened with these loans this loan program the stim the um you know COVID relief loan program, yeah, yeah, all, yeah. The, all the all the money that that went to, you know, Amazon and Facebook and Coca-Cola instead of, you know, Bob's hardware where it should have gone. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I don't know much about um, the, all the, the climate stuff going on with Biden, but I do know and I agree with you where the money. It, it looks good on paper and it's not helping 
the three of us in a sense, the, the tax credits. It's not coming to us. It's it's like everything else. It's like um, with the COVID relief. It's the the millionaires who are using it to bail out their companies and and they're getting the money. And there was aid for unemployment and things like that with COVID. But you yeah. know, guys like Tom Brady and De Niro also benefited right. from it a lot. And, right, and right. And maybe they didn't need it as much as as people who lost their jobs and, and are still out of a job. Well, and there is there is some like some concrete things for like childcare, preschool, uh, at home medical care. You know, there's a you know some some um, credits, some Affordable Health Care Act credits, but they don't really again don't really affect a whole lot of people, and it's not going to be that significant for any one family. So I think. Well, yeah, you're right. You're right. But um, the thing is, you know, our problem is political because. One party has decided not to participate, and that makes it really, really hard. Um, well, that, I mean, that's uh, to, to be fair. I think that I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong, but that's how politics work. Yeah, well, but you no, could, you no, could no, insert no. party here. The opposition party doesn't cooperate, right? No, I mean, and that's, no, no, no. I, I do agree I, with Daryl that the Republicans are more kind of deliberately obstructionist, but the problem problem here isn't the Republicans. The problem here is Manchin and Cinema, because right, if right, they right, would just right. get in line, it wouldn't matter how obstructionist the Republicans wanted to be. And the dumbest thing the Democrats have done is not take advantage of any of this. And now it's been a year and they haven't yep. done anything and where they could have just pushed through anything okay. they wanted. No, you're right. You're right. But listen, the, the problem is so for our government to work, both parties have to participate. And the Republicans' new strategy to just do nothing and to, to obstruct is not – it's not the way the, go the government was set up. It's not the way – so Manchin and Cinema making this plea for uh, to keep the filibuster, um, it's, it's – the filibuster works in the purpose that – mansion wants it for when both parties are participating yeah. you know it's, no, it's I, I, and that's really the issue right now is so this this bill has been watered down but it's the first real climate bill and he's going to add on executive orders that will hopefully make up some of the things you were pointing out of the weakness and the thing is the tax credits is going to work because it'll cost companies the big big companies more to keep polluting and less if they stop using fossil fuels. So that, I think, has a real potential for working. And the improvement of, of air quality is is very important. But what's more important is helping out families economically. And this bill does very little for that. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and look, I, I agree with you. And, and that's my frustration. It, I'm not a fit, I don't line up either side and call because I think politicians on either side, I, I agree. The Republicans aren't doing anything, and but I don't think it stops there. Like, and I know we don't need to go backwards, and we don't talk about the man who used to be there. But <laughs> it was what seven minutes into when he was president, and it was impeach, 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 and and this, and so you can't tell me that the Democrats were willing to sit at the table when the Republicans had control. So it's it's politics. No, no, and whether, no I know, I'm sorry. I know, I'm sorry. No. 
No, you've got to stop. I, you're because... not going to get me to believe that the Democrats are always, okay, we'll work with okay. you. Okay, well, Matt, here's, here's the difference, Matt. It. it didn't matter when the Republicans were in power because they didn't care. Those two years where they had both houses of Congress and the White House, they just pushed through a bunch of stuff. I'm surprised they weren't able well, you, to cancel. You just cancel. complained that the Democrats aren't doing that. Exactly. But I'm saying right that about Democrats, we're like a circular firing squad and we never <laughs> can get our act together. And the thing is, you got to hand to the Republicans. Their messaging is 100,000 times better than Democrats. You know, like right now, this bill should be being pushed on the free uh uh, pre-K stuff. You know, that's what the benefits, the, the, the child credit money that's coming into your, your account. Are you getting money in your account, Matt, for your kids? Yes. 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 That's a wonderful thing. So that's so what they should be pushing. I, I almost went out and had a couple of kids last week just to get that money. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. And, and I don't, I wish I was more articulate this morning. <laughs> so bear with me. Do you, but Daryl, that's an interesting point because I've been wrestling with this sort of in my head, figuring things out. And, and we'll get into sports in a little bit, maybe. Do you feel as though, it, it to your point, the Democrat, the messaging, the circling fire squad, I see them sometimes as speaking on a platform and here's what we need, here's what we want to do, but they don't get it done. And the reason that they don't want to push it through and get it done is because their message to me is, again, I wish I was more articulate, but division. It's the haves and the have-nots. It's us and it's them. And it's, it's it, whether it be uh, class, whether it be male or female, whether it be race, it's the, the groups. And we need to do more to bring minorities and, and give them equality. But and, and I agree with that, but then nothing gets done. And is it possible that they realize the politicians, I'm not talking about Democrat society people, the politicians realize, well, what's their platform if they actually do get it done? And so they continue to speak on all these bad things that are happening to minorities, all these bad things that are happening in inner cities, but yet... I mean, what are the look at the economies in these inner cities that are are democratically controlled by politicians? The, I'm talking the politicians. What are they actually doing? And if they do what they say they're going to do, what becomes their platform to run on? Well, well I think so. I think you, you, were, you were articulate there. And but I disagree with some of it. So go ahead, Joe, you go first. Well, I was going to say the one the one thing that stands out to me right away is I think the the city thing. It, I don't know that that argument works anymore because I right. feel like our cities are the most prosperous parts right. of our country right now. And it's the rural the rural areas that are struggling the most. So I think that okay. that's maybe a third. It's funny because you're the one doing the old man thing, arguing <laughs> the argument from 30 years ago. But okay. I think but I feel like that maybe doesn't so much qualify anymore. And I think the bigger problem is that the Democrats are fragmented in a way that the yes. Republicans are unified. The right. Democrats have the the left wing and then this this compromise wing that, in my opinion, is the one that's been dragging them back Absolutely. and holding, holding but, them back for but, the last 20 years. And if they would embrace the progressive side, I think the voters would respond better. And that's what the Republicans have done. They've acknowledged that right. this, 40, this 42% of people is our base. They will stick with us no matter how racist or 
xenophobic we are, yeah, yeah, and and maybe come to us, you know, more strongly the more more of that we we put out. So I think that's that's the big difference is that the Democrats are not as unified, and you can see this right now with the two moderate senators screwing everything up, really screwing everything up. And the thing is, if the Democrats dumbly don't pass this bill, especially even in the next week. They're going to do nothing, and it's going to become a Republican uh, House, a Republican Senate, a Republican president. And, you know, there is, to me, the big difference between the two parties is that Democrats are concerned about the income inequality, which really is the number one problem in our country, in that people that are poor— really have a tough time, really have a tough time, and haven't been helped. So for whatever reason, Republicans believe that if if the guys at the top, the 700 billionaires, do well, it's the Ronald Reagan, prosperity trickles down, which it just isn't true. As sort of a barometer, I look at how, you know, mid-20s people are living their lives, and and. Daryl, when you were in your mid-20s, probably most of your peers were close to home ownership, if not already homeowners. True. That's true. The possibility was there. My first apartment cost like 100 bucks a month to rent. Yeah. And when you I know? was in my mid-20s, I rented a house in California, in Northern California, 45 minutes from the coast in Sonoma County with these giant redwoods on my property for like $250 a month. Yeah. Now my first house I bought for thirty five thousand. It needed work, but it was beautiful. It was a beautiful house in Gainesville, Florida. It, it's it's rare now for a twenty five year old to even be living out of their parents' home, let alone living on their own. And I, you know, right. I haven't had to have roommates for a, a long time. I don't think I could go back to that having to live with some some you know no, virtual it's stranger. Nice when you're yeah. Um, so okay, so. Joe does have a Brady rule, which is we're not to mention Brady, just like I can't mention Duke. But we got to mention this story. This is a good story, and it really has nothing to do with Brady yet. Um, I think he'll be involved in it. But so, um, Mike Evans. That that was that that sound you heard was me rolling my eyes back into my skull. (laughs) Um, Mike Evans, you know, a a talented receiver uh, with was um, before the game looked in the end zone and saw two women wearing Mike Evans jerseys and, you know, talked to them and said he was going to, you know, give him a ball when he scored a touchdown. And uh, he actually had two receiving touchdowns. The first one happened to be a big deal because it was Brady's 600th TD. And I'm sorry, is that a big deal because it was worth 28 points? So Evans Evans scores. He hands the um, football to this guy Sam Kennedy, and everything's cool. Kennedy gets approached immediately by the Tampa Bay officials, who offer him, "Oh, listen, we'll give you, uh, uh, we're going to give you actually a thousand dollars worth of credit at our store, and we're going to give you an autographed jersey and all this stuff." Well, poor Kennedy gave up the football. The football was is, is estimated to be worth a half a million dollars, maybe even double that. And, you know, that would have meant 
Kennedy's family was set up. That was not quite generational wealth, but it's pretty close to it. Um, and in exchange, he's now got credit at the Tampa Bay uh, gift store. My question is, how is that value realized? Like, who is the one? Who's the person who's going um, to pay? Craigslist auction. So who who rightfully owns that football? Uh, Tampa Bay. Kennedy gave it up. Kennedy owned it when it when he was handed to him. He owned it. He did not have to give it up at so all. So did he give it up to Brady or did he give it up to no, the team? No, he did. Brady was not involved. He gave it well, up to the Tampa Bay officials. Technically, he gave it to the equipment guys at Tampa, but it, it right. was for Tom Brady. So I, I actually think like Tampa Bay doesn't have it in their trophy collection in their stadium. It's Tom Brady's football. Okay, but so it was the football. Right. So do you, do you think that's fair? Well, I think regardless, regardless what of he got, is that fair? Whoever's going to benefit from this auction, better give half the money to to the to this this person. That's whether it's Brady or the organization. Whoever sells this football for half a million dollars, better give two hundred fifty thousand dollars of it. Nobody is trying to sell it. I, Tom, I, as I believe it, Tom Brady wanted it. He wants it in his. Basement. That's what I mean. Who is it worth a half a million dollars to? It's so probably. Think- to Sam Kennedy, if he had held on to it, he would have received bids, and you know, and I would take a half million dollar bid for. It's, t- it's total speculation because it never hit auction. I think, right. I think, and I didn't hear that half a million, Daryl. But I think what he's saying is, had he gone to like a um, an auction or a sports memorabilia bidding thing, it would have you could have gotten up to that kind of money so it's total speculation well if tom brady has an ounce of heart in his black black body he would um he'd give the guy you know a hundred thousand dollars fifty thousand I'm, sure I'm, I'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure gronk, he will gronk chipped in too i'm gonna i'm gonna look it up right now because okay. i'm pretty sure he, that he did the initial um the initial incentive or or asking price for it the kid gave in, and then he later was like, oh, I probably should have held out for it, more. Was it a kid or an adult? I thought it was an adult. It, it was. It was. It, oh, did you guys Do you guys watch? We brought it up the other day, the Manning um, broadcast of football. No, I, I, I hear football. it's good, is it? I actually, I did watch it last week. It actually is really good, and Tom Brady was on it. Um, and so this is what he told uh, that he'd received, he's going to give him one Bitcoin, which has value over $62,000. Huh. The team is providing a pair of season tickets for Kennedy for the remainder of 2021, 2022, and a $1,000 credit at their store. <laughs> I believe Gronk is chipping in. So the kid, he, he's... That's, a pr- I, that's I pretty generous. One Bitcoin is pretty generous. Yes. Yeah. So he's yeah. giving him one Bitcoin... He's got season tickets for the rest of this year and next year, and the thousand dollar credit at the school at the school store at yeah. the uh, the team store. So is that, is that Brady or is that the again? Is that Brady or is that the organization? Brady is giving him one Bitcoin, which huh. has value of over sixty two thousand. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's the team funny. is giving him the tickets. Well, you know it's funny because for Brady that looks great, right? Because he's giving the guy sixty something thousand dollars. But you can bet that Tom Brady bought that thing three years ago when it was worth eight hundred <laughs> like bucks. Five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but good for him again. Like yeah. you, it's something that absolutely absolutely require of both Brady and the organization at this point. Especially as soon as that story gets told, it really looks like they took advantage of the kid, so or of the guy. 
I also like, so he asked um, Tom Brady on the sideline, he asked Mike Evans, what'd you do that? Like, dude, what are you doing? Like, why'd you do that? And he goes, sorry, man, I forgot. It was your 600th. And Brady goes to him, well, sorry, I might forget to throw you another touchdown pass the rest of the season. Yeah, and that's why we love Tom Brady so much, because he's, he's such a he's, delightful friggin' human being. You're just you're just fueling the fire of my hate, Matt. All right, all right, all right. So that, anyway, we that but it's I, I'm glad to hear that it, the story's got a more of a good ending, and that's good. Um, now, a couple weeks ago or last week, you asked me if the Patriots were playoff material. Today's or tomorrow's going to decide um, if they beat the Chargers. Then they'll definitely be at 500, and they'll definitely have a good chance at playoffs. If they don't. Probably they're not going nowhere. Well, you know, they still got their, I think they have both, they have a, a freebie against Miami and a freebie against the Jets coming up too. So they, no, they've already beat they the Jets beat twice the Jets. this year. Oh, is, okay. Well, yeah, I, mean, Miami? I wish they could play them three times. Oh, yeah. they, but then, then they have Miami twice, don't they? They, yeah. no, Miami they, are, they so. lost to Miami week two. Yeah. Or no, hey. or was that week one? Yeah, I think uh, it was they, the first they are, game. They lost yeah. to Miami once. Yeah. No, they have kind of they're playing they have a kind of hard schedule for the next couple of games. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Um, but you know, it does look like Mac Jones is good. And that's uh, that's encouraging for Patriots fans. How are Giants and Jets fans looking? Jets are getting better. No, they're not. Yes, they are. To the Patriots, 50 something to, to to seven. You've got yeah. now you've got Joe Flacco coming in to be your backup. Don't you can't say the Jets well, are hey, looking no, no. good. Mike, Mike White's going to take us to the promised land. And he looks honestly, good. He can looks I tell good. you? Can I tell you something? The first time I heard that name as the guy as the Jets quarterback, the Mike White I know was a coach. Was you know he was a head coach with the Raiders for a little while. Coach with the San Diego and Atlanta. Um, and so I was like, what? Wow! And this guy, guy I think Mike White was a baseball player. Right, yeah. right. Well, Mike yeah. White, the coach, would be about 75 years old. So I'm like, that's good. maybe that's his kid. Oh, who knows? But well, let me ask a, Joe, and, and this is to my point on how organizations ruin talent and ruin careers before they get going. Why in the world do you, to your rookie quarterback, your backup and your veteran presence is Mike White? He, he's he's doing a decent job. I mean, the, the, but, the no, team, it's a good point that the no, franchise no, but, the franchise loves him. The the coach the the, the he's been around for they, three years, four years now, I think. Okay, so and and I don't know anything about this guy, but if they love him so much, why are they trading for now with Joe Flacco? Like my point is, if 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 Zach Wilson is your guy, he was the only quarterback on the roster. They didn't have a backup. Jay, and and that's my point though. That that's kind of like as an organization, it's. It's our job as a fan to look at the microcosm of what we see right in front of us and judge it. As an organization, you need to be looking at big picture, your whole roster, top to bottom. Guys that we never know are on your team, an organization is in charge of that. Why? It, the second. Well, I, I mean, you had, what, um, you had the second pick. You knew you were going to get one of these rookie quarterbacks. Priority number one if you want this guy to be your franchise is let me bring in a Colt McCoy. Let me bring in a, a Brian Hoyer. You're let me right. bring in a guy. I see. I don't necessarily agree with that, that that's always the best thing to have on your team yeah, but, with a young but, quarterback. You tell, I mean, how I, is I think it for them, for I think for them, Mike White was, was sufficient. He know, knew their system really well. He'd been around. He was comfortable being there. I think he, he would have been a, a 
find enough mentor. If you've got a strong coaching staff, you don't need that, that, that excuse that you have to have this veteran guy more often than not. I feel like that veteran guy is disruptive. If he wants to play, if he's got any competitive edge to him at all, he's going to want to be on the field. I I agree with Matt that when you've seen situations when, uh, you know, like what about the San Francisco? They had two great quarterbacks, Montana and uh, 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 who the other guy and um, the other guy, Steve Young, the Hall of Fame. And he sat for a long time and And hated every, if you ask him now, he'll tell you he hated every minute of it. it. Look at Aaron Rodgers behind Brett Favre. Those are different. Those are different because your rookie your rookie is the one sitting. You are bringing Zach Wilson into play. And so you don't need – Joe, I agree with you. If, if you bring in a Cam Newton who wants to play, you got to get him off your team. That's disruptive. I'm talking about Colt McCoys. I'm talking about um, – Those guys want to uh, play too. Even, even guys, Dan Orlovsky back in Ryan, his day. Ryan probably doesn't want to play. He's happy to sit on the Patriots bench. You, there are – but here's the problem with Zach Wilson struggles and his backup is even if it's Joe Flacco, people are going to start clamoring for Joe Flacco to be in the lineup. If it's Mike White, no, at no point in the season, no matter how bad Zach Wilson is, will Jet fans say, oh, Mike White should be our starter until he gets hurt. Here's, I, 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 fair point. But again, your organization. Yes. This is this. Um, I forget who who says it. The the old GM of the of the Indianapolis Colts. Um, oh, he used yeah. to say, "When you start worrying about what the fans think, you'll be sitting with the fans." Fans, you can you can want you can want Joe Flacco all you want. Zach Wilson is our guy. He's our future. He's who we're rolling with. We're gonna take the lumps with him. And if that's what your organizational plan is. Stick to it. Don't worry about the fans. You're not well, going to the playoffs this year anyway. Well, first of all, every every NFL organization makes decisions based on what the fans are going to think. Everyone, every single one, every decision an NFL organization makes now. You is think based Belichick on does? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. If he wanted Tom Brady out, if he did, he get lawyer Malloy. No, I don't. Gilmore. Why'd they get rid of Gilmore? The number one thing you can do for your fans is win, and he's won. So it doesn't matter what else he does. He can do. He can do whatever else he wants. If he wasn't a net gain for the franchise, they would have fired him twelve years ago. I agree, but I don't think Belichick puts any thought into how fans are going to react. He doesn't care. I don't think he cares. And I don't know about other coaches, but, but, and I know what you're saying, but you know, and your the basic point though, is that the jets and any other team that gets a rookie quarterback has to be prepared to, to not put that rookie in until they feel they're ready. The Patriots felt Mac Jones was ready. Um, but you know, Z- Zach Wilson maybe needs a little more. No, uh, I, I actually think Zach Wilson is going to be fine. I just think, you know, I, when you hear like Mike White is their backup, I mean, I think we're we're silly to think that having a solid mentor and and somebody really who's experienced. But they might have that on the coaching staff. They might might not. You don't need a roster player to do that. And if no, you're bringing in a think, guy and you're going to pay him three and a half million dollars to hold a clipboard, what's the point? I think I. I are, so you're saying that's an organizational failure that they're that those were their only two quarterbacks on the roster. I think it can be. I think time will tell. I think it can be because I don't think I, it matters because it doesn't matter if they go but, one in sixteen this year. But Joe, your coach is your coach, and your 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 
teammates are your teammates. And there's a difference between, I'll make a parallel as a new teacher, right? If you're a new teacher, I don't want my principal being my mentor, showing me the ropes on how to be a teacher. I need another, I need a peer. I need a coworker that uh, it, it come, it's different hearing it. So as okay, a rookie, but let's assume that. So what the thing is, if you're bringing in a, a veteran just to be the third quarterback, then you're not going to another teacher. You're going to someone who's got a teaching certificate, but stands outside the building while classes are actually going on and goes to faculty meetings, but doesn't actually teach any classes. So that's what I'm saying is at that point, you may as well be going to an administrator because you're not dealing with another, another player who's playing in games. You're dealing with a player who's sitting on the bench and not participating, which at that point, I guarantee you, if you ask Every NFL player, how they regard that third number three QB veteran who's never going to play, they will say that they are like an assistant coach on the staff. But that third QB who's never going to play this year has games under his belt. That's what I'm saying. The veteran who's actually played, Mike White. I I don't. He has he ever taken a snap in an NFL game? I don't know. So don't, what experience is he so. pulling from to teach? Zach, well, what experience? You don't you don't need your backup quarterback to be coaching your starter if you've got no, good coaches. No, I disagree. No, I disagree. You know what? Mac Jones uh, is so wrong. early success. So wrong. That's such a myth. I'm not saying I'm not saying that a strong veteran quarterback presence can help a young a young quarterback in certain situations. I'm saying that it's not required for the development of your young quarterback to have yeah. a veteran who's not ever going to play. That that those whatever that that person can give that that young quarterback can be replicated and done better by a coaching staff. That's just maybe, there's no, maybe yeah, but but there's, but no, there's no maybe. It doesn't no, matter. There is a maybe because Mac Jones is tremendously uh complimentary to Brian Hoyer about how much he helped him, you know, figure out. Okay, what but if Brian pitch. Hoyer were, were, in a, were his quarterback's coach, he would say the same thing. So I think, and that's also it's he's also not. what you have to say as a young quarterback. Even if you hate the guy, you have to say yeah. that he's helping you. But I, I don't, I mean, you guys are smarter than that. No, no, but Joe, I don't understand. Like you're thinking that the only time I learn is when I'm face to face with my coach. You look at the situation in new Orleans with Jameis Winston and drew Brees and Jameis Winston, just he he's coming out and said, drew Brees taught me how to be a better quarterback because I watched him study. Like you do studying away from your coach, you learn and, and, did he watch Brees Drew Brees? Did he watch Jameis Winston how to be a better quarterback? But did, that's because Jameis Winston was watching Drew Brees play football, not watching him hold a clipboard and talk on the on the phones to the press box. But that's because you know he was on the field. Veteran, Drew Brees was on the field. Are you, so are you thinking that a veteran backup quarterback doesn't study film, doesn't break down things in the in the in the film room? Is no, that, but again, those are things that an assistant coach can do. That's but what I'm saying is if you're bringing in this veteran to not be on the field, it's not necessarily going to help your young quarterback any more than a good assistant coach would. You know, I, I, I have to disagree because Matt and I learn more from fellow teachers than we learn from administrators. But you learn because they're in the classroom. You guys don't, you're not hearing what no, I'm saying. You learn, you no, learn you're, because, because you're sitting in 
the teacher's room yakking with them. But you're learning from them because they've been in the classroom. You're learning yes. from them because they are actively doing the same thing that you're doing. Right. Just you're like Hoyer and Mac. The things that a, a veteran quarterback will transfer to a younger quarterback when they're not on the field are identical to the things that a good assistant coach will transfer to a young quarterback. It is exactly the same function. If you're not playing, it's not necessarily something that you need out of your franchise if you've got a good solid coaching staff you don't necessarily need to bring in a veteran quarterback to perform the same function that's what i'm saying does that, does that make if, sense? If, if we're stuck on the word requirement you're right you, it's not required but i just feel i fail i guess here's my thing if you're backup if, if you're zach wilson and your backup is mike white who to your point has zero experience He's not in the classroom. He's never taken a snap in the NFL. Is Zach Wilson going, yes, you learn from your coaches, sure, but you also learn from peers. So is he better off having Mike White or would he better off having a, a, a Hoyer who's played games, who's been successful, and can maybe show him some tips and tricks and it's just another voice of encouragement and, and more experience Who's who's better suited for that position? In my opinion, it's a veteran guy who's been there, done that, who, look, dude, you're the starter. I'm not going to push you for your job. I know my role. My role is to help you get better. I think the veteran guy, you're better suited to to have a sustained career if you have that veteran. You know, you know what you're, you're right, Matt? You know who they have on staff? Matt Cavanaugh who is a veteran NFL quarterback and has been a coach in the NFL for 23 years. So that's who they have. So they don't need to bring in Joe Flacco just for that. They brought in Joe Flacco because they're going to need a backup on the field. You don't bring in a an extra quarterback. And the thing is, they knew they were going to go with Zach Wilson. They, they understand that if they have to play their backup – that they're in failure mode and if they're in failure mode then they can make a a, a for now move or a panic move it doesn't help your young quarterback's confidence please, to please have... let's talk about something else please let's what? move to the giants come on man well, no no we're not no, but, not, not until i get this we're in a circular argument we're going back and forth joe well that's just you because you guys don't listen and you just keep saying that it's the coach can do it and you know matt and i are saying as teachers we have more we pay more attention to what other teachers tell us than right. to our administrators. And it's I, a big difference. So to me, the quarterbacks are fellow teachers. But here's the thing that you're not understanding, Daryl. You listen to those other teachers because those other teachers are in the classroom. They are actively doing the same things that you're trying to do. You wouldn't listen to them if they never taught any classes, if they had to sit in their cars during the school during the school. You mean day. like an administrator? But no, no, your administrators are in the building with you. Yeah, but they don't get, they don't go in the classroom. I think you're just you're just speaking from your experience with terrible administrators. I'm speaking from experience, and the thing is, but I think we've exhausted this one. And it, well, we, you also, you, you know how much I respect teachers, but you can't you can't say that your your jobs are identical to an NFL quarterback's either. No, it, it, it that no. was my I just it's an uh, analogy. The, the look, time will tell. Does Zach will is does what kind of career will Zach Wilson have? Time will tell. And I, now, I mean, if 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 the Jets' plan was okay, if we have to go to Mike White, we'll trade away trade picks for a veteran now, a veteran backup. I again, I see that as an organizational failure. 
think they gave up a six round. Well, we, we, we keep trying to talk the jets out of organizational failure. The jets are the definition of organizational failure. That's the main point we should be making. But I feel like in this specific, in this specific manner to say that they needed to have a veteran clipboard holder, who happened to play quarterback, they have that on the staff. And, and again, you guys, you guys can, can try to pry me off of this as hard We're as you want. We're not trying but... anymore. We're not trying. <laughs> Good. Good. What because about again, the, Giants? the only difference? Giants actually won a game. The only difference between the two is that one wears a, a helmet and a shoulder pads and the other one doesn't. So we can, we, we, we could talk about the encouraging Giants, although I think it might be a one game flash. They really, that's, that wasn't a great team that they beat. Matt, the um, Daniel Jones had a pretty good game, right? He he played okay. Yeah. The, look, the, the Giants. I, I'm gonna. Look, you guys know. I think they're a dumpster fire right now. Fire Gettleman. I agree with you on that Gettleman but guy. He's he's a he's when a you loser. when you look at things and it's unfortunate. And this is how again. I unfortunately I think Daniel Jones's career is is. It's going to be hard for him to have, what could have been right because. Saquon Barkley's always hurt. You go out and you get guys in the offseason. Kenny Galladay can't stay on the field. Tony can't get on the field. Um, Evan Ingram is hurt, or now he's going to be traded. And so when it, it is hard to, to look at what could have, should have, would have happened with this team because they Sterling Shepard can't stay on the field. Darius Slayton, like who is Daniel Jones even throwing the yeah. ball to? And that being said, they did beat Sam Darnold. The defense played really, really good. Is Tony doing better? Tony hasn't been on the field since his breakout game. He's been hurt. Yeah, and well, and so, the, the thing the thing about Darnold too, I think maybe we're realizing that Darnold may may just stink. It might not have been the Jets that ruined him. He might just yeah, not be very. Well, that's good. hard to say. Gase was Gase. Well, <laughs> Gase was an idiot, but um, you know. So as far as the Giants go, at this point, they'll have two. Top 10 first round picks next year. I don't think the the Bears, uh, as much as I would like Justin Fields to be successful, um, I don't know. I, I mean, there, here's another coach, Matt Nagy, who's ruining a young, young talent. Um, but so they'll have the Giants will have two top 10 picks. We'll see if they get a new GM, if, if they know what to do with it. I don't know. So are you are you using one of those on a if you get you get Gettleman's job? Are you using one of those on a quarterback? Let's say you get three and eight. Um, Aren't you just going to take the best player? And if there's a great quarterback available, no, you would take they him. They have so many needs. They have so many needs. If they get – here's honestly, if they get a three and an eight, I think I would go O-line – defense i go o-line o-line i go guard and tackle yeah and again this is without looking at who the actual prospects are um i think i'd go like o-line defense and give daniel jones let look let him finish out his career uh his his kind of rookie contract a little bit and then look if you're in top 10 again then it's your quarterback but maybe if they have a lot of needs and it's not like it's quarterback play that's losing games. He's actually played okay. The team stinks. And you could get a Hall of Fame pass rusher at three and a Hall of Fame offensive lineman at eight. So, and that's, so that's probably where I would go. Um, you can shore up the left side of the of the O line. 
The Patriots last year got a great uh, lineman in the second round, Christian Barrymore, and he's he's really made coming on strong jonathan ogden went like ninth you know you don't they those you can get so much quality at that position in the top 10 of the draft i'm so kind of if we can shuffle back to carolina for a minute did you guys hear their um deshaun watson trade rumors this week so this I, seems to be heating he up. Still playing? Why is he still playing? Well, he's not he's, he's not playing and no one knows if he's but, even going to play this year he suspended he sort of is, but it doesn't mean this is this is the no, why. How, uh, here's the thing that we talk about this all the time: how we overvalue quarterbacks, and you got an all-pro caliber quarterback who doesn't, even no matter what happens with the long-term resolution of the legal case, it looks like he's done in Houston. It looks like he's not going to have a career there anymore. So mm-hmm. they may as if teams are willing to trade for him now, I don't fault the Texans for trying to deal. No, him. I fault the NFL for not having enough guts to suspend him. To be fair, I think he's, he's inactive. So the idea of, I think had the Texans put him on the active roster and try to play him, I think the NFL would suspend him. Right. So to be fair, I mean, I agree with you, Daryl. He shouldn't be playing right now. Um, but he isn't. And right, I think that you're right, Matt. It was the Texans that sort of did that. So what bothers me more is that there are other teams that are willing to go out and give up assets for this guy in the same way that I was upset with the Eagles when they signed Michael Vick. Like, this is a player that shouldn't be in the league, and whether or not you acknowledge that you're bringing him in to sit on the bench for the rest of the season or until whatever suspension he undergoes is, is over, but I would be more upset as a Carolina fan that my team offered Christian McCaffrey and three first round picks. Like that's what would bother me more so than, you know, than anything the Texans or the league are doing at this point, I think. Is that an official offer or is that just a rumor? Well, everything's a rumor. I mean, no, no yeah, team yeah, ever yeah. comes out yeah. and says, Hey, we offered the blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, like I tend to believe it may not be exact, but I, t- I tend to believe that if, if someone's reporting that McCaffrey was involved and there were a couple of first-round picks going along with it, I mean, that's a lot to give up. That's a lot. If you're the Texans, I would take that in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah, hell right. yeah. Right. McCaffrey's a great player. Um, yeah, but he can't again, again, field, have some in- injury problems, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. And, but, and uh, if they, they do have this young guy, Ch- uh, Ch- Chuba or Chuba Hubbard, um, who, if they think pretty highly of him, and uh, McCaffrey is is a trade asset. When they may wow. also be again realizing that Sam Darnold stinks and isn't the answer, so maybe yeah. they're, maybe they're going into a little more um, tear down. Are you guys uh, surprised at Kansas City's uh, lack of having a good season? A little bit. I, I've always thought that Andy Reid was a little little overrated, so I'm not surprised that they're struggling a little bit. I, you know, again, talk to me it after like week, an unbeatable team a few years ago, if they're four and six after week 10, but I think the rest of the league is catching up. And again, they were innovative on offense in a way that usually buys you a couple of years of, of overperformance. And, you know, they, they've, they also were, they kind of, they always had a dominant running back. They don't seem to necessarily have that in their lineup anymore. I, yes. That, I was going to say that it's, you know, Kareem hunt uh, without Kareem hunt. They, they lost their ability to run. I know we don't like talking about TB12, but the reason the Patriots were able to have such sustained success is because they weren't paying TB12 
what the market value of him was. And he every year he did a contract, he had to sign this. I realize this is not my market value to bring down the market. You paid Patrick Mahomes half a billion dollars. Um, that's a huge contract. Right. That means you can't sign offensive linemen. You can't sign defensive, you know, linebackers. And and so this team, I wouldn't be surprised to see. Yes, Patrick Mahomes is phenomenal. He probably will have another Super Bowl run in him, but I I don't think they're going to be five Super Bowl appearances in ten years kind of thing because their team can't be that good. You're spending too much money on the quarterback. Well, yeah. that's so, it's so remarkably hard to do. Like we take it take it for granted because that's what Belichick did for yeah. all those years in New England. Or, but it's just it that's so rare. It's so rare for teams to even be in the mix for four or five seasons in a row. So it doesn't surprise me that they're in a little bit of a slump. I think they've they, again, like like we both said, Matt, they've kind of suffered around Mahomes a little bit. You can't you can't say he's any worse. I mean, if anything, you could say that the rest of the quarterbacks in the league have, have kind of closed the gap a little bit. Like, I mean, look at Kyler Murray. Did you guys watch the game Thursday night? He's awesome. Kyler he Murray, really... Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. Ah, these guys are good. And to watch Kyler Murray across from Aaron Rodgers, I saw Aaron Rodgers from eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, that's he's got the same style where he, on every snap, you, you don't know where he's going to go, what could possibly happen. He's got amazing touch down the field. Almost to the point what happened where, on that last play where the receiver uh, went into the end zone and it didn't turn for the ball? I don't know. I, that I was couldn't, bizarre. I couldn't figure that out either because even if – the only thing I could think of is that he thought it was a called running play because mm-hmm. it looked like a sort of – what what you call a stock block where you're just mm-hmm. sort of trying to run the guy off the line and, and make him commit to being in front of your body for the, the four seconds it's going to take the quarterback to get around the corner. That's what it looked like to me that he just didn't know it was a pass play. Wow. But regardless, even honestly, even on if that's my assignment on the goal line, I'm just going to run to the corner of the end zone like I am running a pattern because then the guy's got to turn and follow you. Right. There's no way he's going to make the adjustment. So whatever it was, the when it was um AJ Green right too so yeah. we're not talking yeah, about a, a seventh round rookie right? right yeah that was one of the stranger things and you could see Murray's frustration immediately and if he had the other thing is if he had kept the ball and just run around the end he probably could have right. and it was like yeah. second down and they you know they were but they had fourteen there was only fourteen seconds was, left yeah, I think right. but they had time to kick a field goal tie the game get it into overtime <laughs> uh, even if they didn't score so. That was what was bizarre. I watched the game on Friday, so I already knew what the final score was. So when I saw where the, the, the Packers were on that fourth quarter drive ahead twenty four to twenty, I'm like, how how did they not score? They're on the you know, they're on the ten yard line with with three minutes to go. And then they get you know, they get the, the penalty and then they get stuffed. Then Arizona comes back down to him like, how did they not score? It was a really strange sort of like trying to to get those things to match up at the end of the game. But But talk about like Aaron Rod, we we I said earlier, you know, you can't judge Danny Dimes and and, uh, because he's got nobody to throw it to. Look at what Aaron Rodgers just did with Randall Cobb. E- Equinamius St. Yeah, Brown. Three guys they got off the bus. Yeah. Right. And, and the only reason they have um the guy that caught the two touchdowns is Rogers uh lobbied for him. Yeah, it, Randall yeah. Cobb. But I mean yeah. it it just it's incredible. 
his, what Aaron Rodgers he's spectacular. can do. He's spectacular. He's, he's fantastic. And, yeah. and again, Joe, to your point, you know, how spoiled we are with the Belichick Brady era and to say like, Oh, Aaron Rodgers isn't a great quarterback. He's only got one Super Bowl <laughs> ring. Like he he's is great. He, he's great. He's not the greatest champion ever. He might be the great, he might be the GOAT quarterback yeah. because what he's done, he always wins. Aaron Rodgers, he, again, he's not going to have the rings like somebody else might, but uh, he is the GOAT. He is good. Their yeah. teams are yeah. always better than than they look on paper. Right. They're always better on the field than they look on paper. And yeah, you've got to give, give him all the credit. Is, this for that. A, is he going to retire this year? Maybe no. I think he's got another. Think he's so. got another good year or two in him. I think yeah. the, the what intrigues me about Rodgers, and we saw this when he hosted Jeopardy, he's he's got so much potential to do other things. Like he's such a smart, engaging guy. Like he could be an a, actual actor if he wanted to, or he could he could host the show. I'm I'm one thousand percent sure he's going to end up in some sort of media capacity as soon as his career is over. I agree. I think there there are rumors about him. He's tied to Denver. He's tied to Vegas. He's tied to Pittsburgh a little bit. And I think it, unless the Packers win the Super Bowl this year, I think there's a good chance because he got it worked into his contract that he can opt out after this year. Right. And I think you'll see him play somewhere else. Uh, with a big contract. Yep. And 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 look for one of those teams that are a quarterback away from a Super Bowl run. And, um, you know, I would I would like to see that. And the Raiders may not need him because David Carr is doing a pretty good job. But what I what I, what I think would be the coolest story would be is he if he went from the the church of the NFL to the satanic temple of the NFL, if he went from the Packers <laughs> to the Raiders, that would be the best story. And probably um, the most probably the most fun one to root for. Well, here's another fun story. Um, you know, in college football, they have a lot of conference realignment. So Connecticut just got into the, I don't know, American 10 or whatever it is. And UMass didn't. So UMass is still like Notre Dame, a, a unaffiliated. I'm not so sure that again, like I said, I think I said this last week that all these maybes, all these projected alignments that we've got in mind right now, that they're all actually going to, going to, come to pass, you know, when they say they are, because I think there's going to have to be a whole bunch of more shuffling. And I think the more of the sort of small shuffles get lined up, the more likely it is for the NCAA to say, okay, well, hold on, this is what we're doing. And this is how we're doing it. And I, and it's funny because it, that's been part of the problem with the NCAA's governance throughout its whole history is that you've got all these sort of different elements and they all have a little bit of power. They all have a little bit, and there's not really any sort of person at the top that says, okay, all the schools, there's no commissioner of the NCAA that can make a decree across every conference. So then you've got the conferences that can make some of the decisions and the university presidents that can make some and the athletic directors or the coaches that are making others. So it's really been this sort of very poorly assembled web of, of, of you know people and agencies that are making these decisions and we all know that the more complicated an agency becomes the worse decisions it makes speaking of college football big game today in the big 10 you got michigan versus michigan state if john harbaugh or is it jim harbaugh i think it's jim, jim right yeah john's if jim the if Ravens jim harbaugh guy. in michigan if he can't win this game i don't know how 
if you're a Michigan alum, how you can continue to bring this guy back. I mean, he's consistently team undefeated. Right they now? are now. They're number six, are they? Yeah, yeah. they're six. Yeah. Michigan State's eight, though. So eight. I think if you lose that game, you know, if you lose to Michigan State when they're four and five, that's different than I think right. when you lose to Michigan State if they're they're two ranked two spots below you. Right. But th- no, they could still win the national championship because, like, remember mm-hmm. Alabama has well, like even this year has lost a game, and you know, you know, Alabama is probably going to be in the. In the championship game, the playoffs a little more wide open than it's been in past years. Even Oregon, who had the bad loss to Stanford, that's their only loss. I mean, they still got an outside shot. But I think if you're Michigan, it, it, part of it, fair or unfair, is about expectation. And since Jim Harbaugh has been there, you haven't been able. You have have they ever beaten Ohio State under Jim Harbaugh? Maybe once. Um, they have a couple bad losses to Michigan State over the years when Michigan State was like four and three. Um, so although this year they're both seven and zero, Jim Harbaugh needs to win a big game in conference. So I, I just looked this up. He's zero five against Ohio State. The thing that surprised wow. me more about that number is that he's only been there for five years. It seems like he's been there for twelve. Seems right? a lot longer. Yeah. So I, I think in that respect, I think you give him a chance. I don't know. I'm I'm not I guess I'm not as trigger happy as you, man. I keep him around. <laughs> I'm not firing him. He's gotta win a big game. He's I'm not firing him. I'm not firing him if he loses this game. Yeah. He brings in a, he he gets good recruits, but at some point, how about the World Series? We've gone fifty nine uh, minutes. Uh, Houston lose. Who Houston lose? Have they you did guys, last night? Have you guys watched any of it? No. Yeah, a little bit. I, I do the key plays. I haven't watched a pitch of it, so yeah. I'll, I'll recuse myself on this one. I have, well, so but the headline headline: Ian Anderson for the the Atlanta Braves pitches a no hit five innings. Oh yeah, yeah, and gets pulled. But it wasn't analytics. What do you mean it wasn't analytics? It was his gut feeling. I hate <laughs> analytics. That's just baseball these days. It's just the way it's going to be. Terrible. The... Like if a guy's throwing a no hitter, let him keep going. I agree. If hey, that's my team, he stays yeah. out on the field I'm until his you. arm falls off. And yeah. all, but all that said, Houston they got shut out. So you know Atlanta's going into Game Three. They're up two two to one, and and you know Atlanta's done great. a really good job of of rebuilding their team. Wasn't it the point of one of you wise gentlemen earlier that uh, the organization shouldn't be listening to the fans? And I think the fans are the only ones that care that that guy came out. I think he, his teammates don't care. He, I think he probably, um, you know, his competitive part of him would be upset, but I think the uh, career longevity concern part of him would be grateful. Well, I, I think, and, and it's a silly argument because it's all in hindsight. Had they lost, the, the teammates would have cared because they won. Nobody cares. Well, anyway, maybe next week we can talk about letting pitchers pitch, starting pitchers pitch, because it makes the game so boring to have 18 relievers. Next week on Crotchety Old Men. (laughs) So thanks a lot for listening to Sports Plus with Baker, Big D, and Joe. Thank you. All right, guys. See you next week. All right, gentlemen. Have a good week, guys. Sorry about all the yelling.